praises to his name. Uh, I heard this uh, joke the other night that uh, if your kids were in the play, you can't shout it out, okay? You can't answer it. Only those that weren't here. What did Adam say to his wife on the day before Christmas? It's Christmas Eve. Get it? Okay, I, I look, there's a lot of kids here tonight, and that's awesome to have the kids here during the service. And, and since Jesus was born in a stable, there's animals in the stable, and so let me hear your best sheep, kids, your best sheep noise. Ready? That, that was good. That was good. <laughs> that was the best one over there. <laughs> Okay, there's probably, maybe there were cows in this table. Let me hear your best cow. Ready? Okay, that's a good one. Maybe there were roosters in this table. How about the roosters? Okay, here's the last one. Donkeys. Any donkeys? Okay, I think I heard more adults in that one than the kids. I'm just saying. Now let's do this one for the adults. See if you can guess what Christmas songs or phrases these are. Here's the first one. Move hitherward the entire assembly of those who are loyal in their belief. Oh, come on, you faithful. You guys got that one. Okay. Listen to the celestial messengers produce harmonious sounds. You got that one. How about this one? Nocturnal time span of unbroken quietness. You got that one. <laughs> An emotion excited by the acquisition of expectation of good given to the terrestrial sphere. <laughs> Joy to the world. Okay. You should get this one. Embellish the interior passageway. You got that one. Okay. Exalted heavenly beings to whom we hearkened. Nope. Angels we have heard on high. Okay, 12 o'clock on a clement night witnessed its arrival. Yeah, someone got it. It came upon a midnight clear. Someone got that one. The Christmas preceding all others. You keep getting at least, you know what? You can't answer any more questions, okay? Small municipality in Judea, southeast of Jerusalem. Okay. Okay, this side of the, the room... Diminutive, masculine, master of skin-covered, percussionistic cylinders. Okay, I like that one. Omnipotent supreme being who elicits repose to ecstatic, distinguished males. God rest ye merry gentlemen. Got a few more of these. Tranquility upon the terrestrial sphere. Peace on earth. <laughs> Obese personification, fabricated of a compressed mound of minute crystals. Frosty the snowman, okay. <laughs> Expectation of arrival to populated area by mythical masculine perennial gift giver. Yeah, you got that one. Natal celebration devoid of color, rather albino, as a hallucinatory phenomenon for me. I'm dreaming of a white Christmas. <laughs> <I like> that. <laughs> That's a big one. 
and of the nocturnal time span characterized by being set apart for righteousness. Oh, holy night. That's a good one. <laughs> Geographic state of fantasy during the season of nature's dormancy. I think I heard Dwight say Winter Wonderland. Whoever said that one, you got that one right. The first person nominative, pluriva, triumvirate of far eastern heads of state. We three kings. Two more. Tintinabulation of vacillating pendulums and inverted metallic resonant cups. Jingle bells. <laughs> Last one, I promise. In a distant location, the existence of an improvised unit of newborn children's slumber furniture. Away in the manger. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Well, that was fun. If you have your Bibles, let's now look at the, the Christmas story. Luke chapter 2. We're going to look at verses 8 through 20, and we'll just read the Christmas story. Uh, if not, just listen up. Uh, Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 8. We read, Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with it an angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven, that the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And then they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. The title of my message this evening is Worship the Newborn King. Let's pray. Father, we do worship you this, this evening, Lord. We thank you for this time of celebration, Lord, that we could gather together and lift our hands in praise and adoration to you, our King, our Lord, our Savior. And now, Lord, we pray that as we look at this Christmas story, Lord, the, the, the story recorded for us about your Son coming to this earth for us, we pray you bless our time together. Speak to our hearts, we pray. Father, we pray if there's anyone here that is yet to surrender their heart and life to you. Lord, they're not born again. They, they don't have their sin forgiven. Lord, would you especially touch their heart this Christmas Eve and show them how much you love them, how much you care for them, and how you long to forgive them and have a relationship with them. Lord, thank you for this time together. We commit it to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, Christmas is about a lot of things. It's about friends. And family, it's about celebrating and remembering, it's about giving, it's about receiving, it's about God becoming man, about the Holy One leaving the glory to drape himself in the frailties of human existence. Christmas is about God's love for mankind. It's about God rescuing you and me from the suffocating quicksand of sin. And yet, ultimately, Christmas is about loving Jesus back. Christmas is all about 
worship, as we've been worshiping the Lord uh, this evening. Worship is not something that only takes place Sunday morning, you know, or, or Easter, you know, or, or, or Christmas Eve. Worship is, is our whole life. Worship is submitting to God, surrendering to God, bringing honor to God. It's turning our hearts towards God and remembering what He has done for us. With that, I want to look at three examples of worship this evening. Number one, the angels worshiping the Lord. Number two, the shepherds worshiping the Lord. And number three, the wise men worshiping the Lord. Number one, the angels worshiping the Lord. We read here in Luke's account in verse 13 and 14, and suddenly there was an, with an angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill towards men. That first Christmas outside Bethlehem, in the cool night air above the shepherd's field, suddenly this dark sky began to glow. And the glory of the Lord filled the, 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 the countryside. For a moment in time, the curtain between the, the spiritual and the physical was drawn away, drawn back. The barrier between heaven and earth was lifted. And we read here that a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God. In other words, a choir of these angels were just, just serenaded these stunned shepherds. Now I've always pictured maybe about 50, maybe 100 angels standing there and the shepherds just going, whoa, I can't believe this. And they're just, just blown away. And, and it didn't realize to say how many angels, you know, there were there. But, but when you read it, doesn't it make you wonder what the other angels were doing at this time? I mean, were they just hanging out, having some Angel food, birthday cake, you know, I don't know, maybe. But that's not what we learn according to God's Word. And God's Word in, in the book of Hebrews, chapter 1, verse 6, says this. But when He again brings the firstborn into the world, He says, let all the angels of God worship Him. Let me read that again carefully, a little bit slower. When the Father brings the firstborn, Jesus, into the world, He says... Let all the angels of God worship Him. Catch the key word? On that first Christmas, the day Jesus entered the world, how many angels worshipped Him? Every single angel throughout God's vast creation lifted up their praise and worship to Jesus Christ. That's a lot of angels, folks. In fact, there's a couple of passages that, that kind of estimate the number of angels that there were and truly are. Hebrews 12.22 makes this statement. But you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels. I mean, heaven is so full of angels, you can't even count them. The angelic population is innumerable. Now, Revelation chapter 5, verse 11 and 12, John sees God's throne room in heaven, and he says this, Then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne, the living creatures and the elders, and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. John's carried away into heaven. He's trying to count the angels. He's enthralled with the worship of the Lamb. But he gives up as soon as he starts. He utters, utters a rough estimate that there's 10,000 times 10 to 1,000. It's too small. I mean, there's, there's, even, there's thousands upon thousands. In other words, he's saying, there's more angels than I can count. So there in Bethlehem, while there's this multitude of angels worshiping the Lord over the shepherds that are there at his birthplace, 
That was just the tip of the iceberg. Because at that very same time that that angelic announcement came to the shepherds in the field, 10,000 times, 10,000 and thousands and thousands from all across the universe turned their attention towards planet Earth, towards that little town in Bethlehem, towards a baby in a manger and worshipped Jesus as head of God's creation. As on that very first Christmas Eve, a call went out throughout the angelic ranks and outdoor and, and, and outposts all across time, all across space. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And suddenly maybe that, 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 that was like, like code red. You know, code red, it's time to worship the Lord. I mean, the, the writer of Hebrews says it was a praise order. Let all the angels of God worship Him. Here's what we know for sure. Not a single angel anywhere, angels dwelt that night, kept silent that evening. Every angel under God's domain worshipped the Savior who was born in Bethlehem. It was due His name. Now, that's not only the angels, our next group, we see we worshiping the Lord, are the shepherds worshiping the Lord. We read in verse 20 that after the angels appeared to the shepherds, the shepherds go to where Jesus was born, and after coming into His presence, look at verse 20. Verse 20 says, Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. To worship is to amplify God's glory and grace. Worship sees God through the telescope instead of just the naked eye. It's admiration for God and uh, for all that He is and all that He does and all that He has done for us. Worship is the magnification of God. Worship is like, like you know, me putting on my glasses. Things that, that are blurry all of a sudden becomes focused. It's like the, the fog lifting, the, the sun shining through. God's glory becomes clearer. Notice that the shepherds were praising God because everything came into focus for them. They glorified God, it says here, for all that they'd heard and all that they have seen. You know, at times, our vision of God can grow distant. We might even feel foreign. The world around us can hamper our awareness, our spiritual awareness, the busyness of Christmas can cause us to not to, to see what it's truly about. But if we look at Christmas through the view of the shepherd's view, it quickens our faith. Uh, the coming of Christ reminds us that if God is willing to join our predicament, there's hope and possibilities are possible. I mean, think about what Christmas is all about. That a, a holy God would dive into our evil world, that the God who's bigger than the universe would make himself small, that the infinite became an infant. And when that becomes our focus, everything else in this world just begins to fade away. That's what worship does. It changes our focus from our problems and all of our circumstances and puts our focus on the one who is the problem solver, the one who should be the center of our lives and deserving all of our praise, all of our adoration. I think of Mary and after the angelic visitations, after delivering of, of Jesus in a stable, after the shepherds came, we're told Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds rushed to praise the Lord. Mary, her heart was calm and at peace and seeing all that God has done. I mean, isn't that what true worship is all about? As we come into His presence, we lift up His name and we adore Him and we praise Him as King and give honor and praise that's due His name. There's this peace suddenly that, that passes our understanding. It overwhelms our lives that suddenly we know everything is going to be 
okay. You know, there's different moods of worship. There's praise and ponder and peace and passion. And the story of Christmas should bring all of those out in all of us. But let me say this also. Not only that, worship also is about giving. And that's our third and final point. The wise men worship the Lord. Over in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 2, verse 1 and 2, we read, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. Now, I'm sure you've all heard the joke, what would have happened if there would have been three wise women instead of three wise men who visited Jesus? Well, they would have asked for direction, arrived on time, helped deliver the baby, cleaned the stable, made a casserole, and brought practical gifts. Now, I heard an answer to that uh, from a man's perspective, to be fair, from a man's perspective, if it were three wise women, they never would have shown up in time because they wouldn't be able to decide on what to wear to visit the king. They wouldn't decide on what to cook for the king, and they would have to stop for party breaks every five minutes along the way. (laughs) But notice what these kings from the east came to do. We read they've come to worship the king of the Jews. Matthew chapter 2, verse 11 says, And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary's mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. It's interesting to me that they came in, they fell down and worshipped him, and then he gave them, they gave them, him the gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. They fell down and worshipped, and then they gave. They, 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 uh, before they gave their gifts, they gave their heart. They, they worshipped him, and then presented the gift to him. I think that's an important example to follow. We often talk about Christians' responsibility to give their time, their talent, and their treasures, and, and, and we should. But before we give any of that, we need to give ourselves. We need to give our very heart to the Lord. So that all those things are simply an outflow of a worshiping heart to our Lord. The best thing we can give our Lord is our lives. Surrendering to Him. And then our hearts become hearts of worship. True worship is the giving of my attention and affection. It's bestowing of honor and offering of praise. It's a giving of myself, of what I possess, to a God who is worthy of it all. Really just giving back a portion of what God so richly have blessed us with. That's a heart of worship. Whether it's money or time or respect, worship acknowledges that, that all blessings come from God and should end up glorifying God. Again, we read that these kings worshiped the Lord and they presented their gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And at first, you know, those gifts might seem a little bit odd to us. I mean, what use does a youngster have with gold, frankincense, and myrrh? Well, it's true they might not have been very practical at the time. They were never less appropriate as, as each gift reveals something about Jesus' identity and Jesus' purpose. Gold is a gift presented to the king, which emphasizes Jesus' Jesus's identity as a long-awaited Messiah, the anointed king. Frankincense is the fitting offering to God, which implies Jesus' divine nature. And myrrh is really actually like an embalming process of the deceased, which points to Jesus' purpose for coming to this earth, his atoning death upon the cross. So not only did the Magi give such costly and appropriate treasures, but they also gave of their time. It's been thought that these Magi traveled a four-month journey of over 900 miles to come and worship the newborn king. And I think sometimes we complain, I, I live ten minutes away, I can't come to church. 
They gave of their talents, their astrological ability to know and follow the significance of this guiding star. Even today, in fact, in every age, the appropriate response to Jesus, as was the Magi, is to give them our three T's, our treasures, our time, our talents. See, the natural outgrowth of their worship was a giving spirit. I mean, how could they visit God's chosen and linger in the presence of royalty without giving a gift? Make no mistake about it. Worship is about giving. Thus, Christmas really is about giving. Granted, this is stating the obvious. I mean, who in the U.S. doesn't know that Christmas is about giving? For a month, we, we shop until we drop. Probably two months, we shop until we drop. Here's some stats for you. Every Christmas, Americans use over 28 million rolls of wrapping paper and almost 17 million packages of tags and bows and it all goes under 35 million Christmas trees. Witness a Christmas morning around the family tree in the pile of wrapping paper that's been accumulated and you'll be reminded Christmas is all about giving. There was once a, a lady who was in a rush to send out her Christmas card. She walked into the store and grabbed a box of cards off the shelf without reading the wording inside. Several days after sending the hundred or so cards in the box, she picked up the leftover and checked out the message she had sent. She was horrified to read, this card is just to say, a little gift is on its way. <laughs> For a lot of people, Christmas is all about those little gifts. But, but you know, that's not a bad thing. Because we love the Lord so much, we want to give back to His people and we want to bless other people. I read of a couple back in 2004 from Anthon, Iowa, a Richard and Donna Hammond that certainly understood the giving process, a spirit associated with the Christmas season. Anthon is a farming town of 650 people. Uh, Rich was, was a retired farmer. One Christmas, the Hammonds gave a most unusual gift they paid the November electric bill for everyone in their town. A bill was $25,000 and they, it was due on December 25th. The week after Christmas, the amount of thank you cards covered uh, Richard's desk. His, his, his uh, giving spirit has, it touched the whole town. When asked why he did it, this is what he said. The Lord has been very good to us and so have the people of this community. So I always thought we ought to be doing something in return if we could. See, he understood Christmas is about giving, giving every aspect about who we are, our whole life to the Lord Jesus for all he's done for us. It's about worshiping. It's about giving. But we don't often put these two together. Yeah, yeah, we, we, we worship on Christmas Eve, then we give gifts on Christmas morning. But, but worship and giving really are one and the same throughout the New Testament. We're told that when we get to heaven, we'll be rewarded for our labors here on this earth, with, with crowns. But there's a special purpose for these crowns that we are going to receive. Revelation chapter 4, verse 10. John is before God's throne when he sees these 24 elders. These are the faithful leaders in the church. So you'd expect them to have maybe a few crowns, a few rewards. But it's interesting what they do with their crowns. Listen to this. Revelation 4, verse 10 and 11. The 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. And cast their crowns before the throne, saying, You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they exist and were created. Here's a lesson for us. The elder, elders worshipped God by laying their crowns before his feet. They gave back to God what he had given to them. 
We need to, you know, listen to our elders. Take their example. Worship is about giving. Worship is the ultimate reason we serve and labor for the Lord. And, and I hope you're trying to rack up, you know, as many crowns as possible. I, I sure I am. I, I don't want to finally get to heaven and get caught empty-handed. I don't, I don't want to stand before my Lord with nothing to give Him. I mean, imagine you're, you're finally arriving on heaven's, heaven's shore. It's this wonderful beyond description. Words can't, can't express it. Uh, you look at your Savior and you see the scars in His hands and His feet and His face and you're overwhelmed with love and appreciation for all, appreciation for all that Jesus did for you. And there you are, just tears falling down your face. You're nothing but a pile of melted gratitude. And out of the corner of your eye, you see the elders laying down their rewards before the Lord. And you think, man, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give my crown to Jesus. But what if you have no crowns? What if while on this earth you did nothing for Jesus that he could reward you? I mean, what a sad, empty feeling to come back at that moment, to have nothing to which to thank Jesus for. Be the ultimate embarrassment and frustration. Never forget, biblical worship is giving back to God some of what He's given to you. It's about giving. These wise men understood this. They fell down, they worshiped the King, and they gave. May we worship the Lord Jesus Christ this Christmas and always and surrender afresh our lives to Him this evening. To say, Lord, I give you all of my ambitions. I give you my, my goals, my, my desires. Lord, I surrender my life afresh to you this evening. Lord, use me to bring you glory. Use me, God, so that when I appear before your throne, I can put my crown before your feet and praise you and worship you and, and, and adore you for all eternity. Listen, as we close, let us remember the greatest gift ever given to us is the forgiveness of our sin through Jesus Christ our Lord. And let us worship Him with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, all of our strength, with all of our lives. Best gift ever given to mankind is Jesus Christ. Isaiah 9, 6, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. John three sixteen and 17, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that through Him the world might be saved. Now the greatest gift that you can give back to Him is your life completely surrendered to Him. Psalm 116, verse 12 and 13 tells us, What can I offer the Lord for all He's done for me? I will lift up the cup of salvation and praise the Lord's name for saving me. I love that. Listen, if you've not given your life to Jesus Christ this morning, that means that you still have that sin in your life. You've not been forgiven yet. You need to surrender to God and say, God, I'm sorry for my sin. You need to turn your life over to Him. Surrender your life to Him. And I tell you, God will forgive you your sin. Every sin you've ever committed, every sin you will commit, God will forgive you and cleanse you. And I tell you, if you make that commitment this evening, this would be the best Christmas Eve you've ever celebrated in your entire life. Trust me. There's so many of us here that have a relationship with the Lord. To know your sins forgiven. To know that you know Jesus Christ. To know that if you would die, you would go to heaven. If you don't know that and you'd like to have it this morning, I want to give you that opportunity. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your love, your grace, 
God, thank you for sending your son Jesus Christ to this earth. Lord, humbly coming, taking the form of a baby, a child, but growing and going to the cross and dying for our sin. Lord, we as believers, we worship you and we praise you for the work that you have done. But Lord, we also pray if there's anyone here that is yet to to come to know you as their Lord and as their Savior, to recognize the gift that was paid for their sin. Lord, that you would touch their heart this evening and they would come to know you and give their life to you. While our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, is there anyone here this, this evening, you want to give your life to Jesus Christ? You want your sin forgiven. You want to be born again this Christmas Eve. If that's your desire, would you just raise your hand so I can pray for you this evening? God bless you and you. Anybody else? Three kids in the back. That's awesome. God bless you guys. You're not too young. You're not too old to give your life to Jesus Christ. Just raise your hand so I can see it. I see it. I see your hand. Anybody else? You want to give your life? God bless you. I see your hand over there on the side. God loves you so much. Send a son to die for you. And man, could you imagine heaven with God and those angels worshiping the Lord and the joy? Because you had your sin forgiven. Anybody else? Just raise your hand so I can see it. Well, our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. For those that raise their hands, just repeat this prayer. This is a prayer of asking God to forgive you for sin and, and committing your life to Jesus Christ. And even if you didn't raise your hand, but you want to commit your life to Jesus Christ, just pray this prayer after me. God, I'm sorry for my sin. But I thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross for every sin I ever committed. Jesus, come into my heart. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Thank you for forgiving me that I'm now going to heaven, that I'm now a child of God. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Praise the Lord for these that have...